Jaron Solomon here from Solomon Brothers Jewelers. My family has been helping customers pick out the perfect engagement ring for decades. We know it can be an overwhelming process with lots of questions like, how much should I spend on an engagement ring? Does a two-carat diamond cost twice as much? What is a lab-grown diamond? Our team of diamond experts is here to answer all of your questions and walk you through all options to help you pick out the ring of their dreams at Solomon Brothers Jewelers in Buckhead or Alpharetta, online at SolomonBrothers.com. On another entry of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, the Force is with us once more. We have six episodes of Tales of the Jedi streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk about that much more right after these ads we have no control over. Liven up your next outdoor party with Orca's Teeny and Barrel Drinkware. They're perfect for pool parties, the beach, or sitting by the fire pit. The Teeny is a stainless steel martini cup that keeps your drink icy cold for hours and comes in a variety of gorgeous colors and designs unique to Orca. The stainless steel barrel tumbler looks like you're drinking out of an oak wood cask. Perfect for whiskey lovers. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. Jaron Solomon from Solomon Brothers Jewelers here to tell you why our customers are like family. Take it from Eduardo, who said we have a great selection, competitive prices, and outstanding service. Or Ashley, who said my fiance and I had the best experience at Solomon Brothers. Our customers trust us to help pull off the perfect proposal or jaw-dropping anniversary surprises. When you visit us, we want to make sure you feel like Amanda, who says we will definitely be back for any jewelry needs. Visit Solomon Brothers Jewelers in Buckhead or Alpharetta online at SolomonBrothers.com. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and the celebration of a favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhar Ali. And I am Andrew Rogers. Hey, Scotty could not join us today because he is in a galaxy far, far away hunting devils, as I am aware. So it will just be us. Maybe we'll get a transmission in a few minutes. But for now, it is Andrew and I. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. This was a really, really fun way to kind of round out the anime heavy lives that we have been living, I feel like, to kind of get something back in the like pop culture animation realm, I guess. I guess. I guess it, it, it's nice. It's nice taking a break from subtitles. I'll give you that. Yes, that definitely is very nice to be able to do. But one of the things I enjoy about the Star Wars animated series is it kind of like takes the essence of anime and the fact that it's not episodic and is character development and story building and we're coming back and forth and stuff like. This is kind of the closest thing we have to, like, English anime right now. Because I'm sure I'll regret saying that and think of something on the English terms in a few minutes. But for now, I like that we have this in, you know, it's 20 minutes. Don't got to read subtitles. Great, super detailed animation with fantastic music and awesome characters that we love. Like, this animated Star Wars stuff may as well be anime. Yes, it's... It's not to take anything away from either side, whether it be anime or American animation. There's just something about, I don't have to ask as many questions when it comes to the Star Wars universe, because 
we've been so ingrained in it for so long it's just a known thing kind of like watching an mcu movie like you know the rules you know the world that you're existing in whereas every week it feels like we're questioning well what else could be possible in my hero academia's world like this is very we have a lot of definition they expand it little by little it's not these huge leaps and bounds like it feels like anime throws at us i guess that's a little bit more of what i'm getting at yeah, I guess seven years compared to 40 years of content kind of does that. And I did have to look at the poster next to me to see, make sure it was 40 years. <laughs> 77, if I'm not mistaken. But. It's just 40th year anniversary for Empire Strikes Back. And I'm not doing the math right now. Anyhow, Star Wars Maybe you're is thinking just 19, great. Did you mean 1977 or 77 years? Oh, yeah, no, 1977. That's what okay, I. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, not 77 years old, my dude. No, 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 no. Okay, we don't have much news to talk about, but if you guys ever do and are very excited about something, let us in because we want to be excited with you guys. And like last week where we learned something three weeks after it became news, maybe we missed it and you guys want to talk about it. We want to talk about it with you. Other things we want to talk about with you is other anime that's trending right now. And that brings us to Animates. So we have two anime to talk about today, Bleach Thousand Year War and Chainsaw Man. Let's go ahead and get Bleach out of the way because nobody else here watches it. Sound a little more defeated with that one. Never. <laughs> All right. So like I said last week, things are just getting wild with the show right off of the bat. It's so cool that we get to see the, the captains of the districts in the Soul Society again. But just like with My Hero Academia, I am so terrified for the well-being of all these guys. Because these Quincy's just came out of nowhere. Destroyed a thousand um, soul reapers? Oh my god, I'm forgetting what they're actually called. Um, but And then the ability to steal a Bankai from one of the reapers is ridiculous and terrifying. And the hero that's supposed to save it all ends up getting trapped at the end of the episode? This is an exciting season. It makes me want to watch all the stuff that I missed. As always, great animation, great music, great action. This is going to be a fantastic season. Well, I'm nothing if not intrigued as you go into all of this, but it's just... It's the goal! <laughs> and I know it's a studio that did Naruto, so you're going to think the animation's super boring and lame. Yeah, of course. it's great. All right, so since I've been yammering, why don't you kick us off with Chainsaw Man? <laughs> a little pochita sounds here all right this episode just brought it back home i was so worried that the action was going to fall off a little bit but it just didn't the first episode gave us a promise and this just continued to deliver on that promise throughout it was so much fun to just watch him go wild even without his full power there's just so much happening every single time you never know what direction they're going to take it and then we got even more character development outside of the amazing action and the amazing uh, animal-like characters as well. Uh, there's just, it's character-driven in this bizarre way because like we've said, it's fan service, they're bizarre, they're awkward, but I believe every bit of raw emotion that is coming out of them and the way that they interact, it's just so much fun. I can't wait to see where these characters go. And why is the cliffhanger we got of this episode this specific cliffhanger? I don't know. And one of the best outros to go with the songs. Also, this one really did it. The <laughs> grabbing motion Zoo's doing at me as I run out of time. <laughs> bum, bum. 
I gotta stick with just sounds and facial reactions and gestures because I don't want to <laughs> respond to anything because it takes up time. But I can't sit still. Someday, <laughs> listeners, we will get a video feed so you can see the just maniacal things that we do to each other when we're not talking because <laughs> i watch all but one of the content that we cover and i do have something to circle back on that i'm not going to talk about in the anime minutes that is just something very specific that this show and streaming network specifically has done but it's a further conversation so i'll let you have your minute but before we move on i do have more to say about chainsaw man okay on that note so me and my buddy William were talking about how annoying it's getting that these episodes have been ending on cliffhangers that lead to action-packed stuff, like with the the Bat Devil, uh, because the episode just started up and he was already like intestines everywhere. So I'm glad that the Leech story opened up and we did get more of that beautiful map of fight sequence. You already went into enough detail about how amazing it was that he did that much with so little just so that he could fondle boobs. Um, but I, I'm i trying to tell myself, similarly to how I'm convincing myself with Spy Family, that this is a comedy that sometimes has cool action. Because my desire of like the bigger world and stuff is kind of like making me a little bit antsy. So I'm I'm trying to give myself a way to dial it back so that when the universe building part of it does happen, I enjoy it a lot more. Boom. Yeah, I mean, you bring up and we both brought up such good points like it's. It's just the weird nature of shows lately that it feels like we're getting so much character development that action is only a piece of literally everything that we're watching as of late. And it's awesome but it's very much a frame of reference change i think is like how you have to approach almost anything like you don't know what you're gonna get yeah we have it's not that we've been lacking genres in anime lately but i don't think i'm wrong in saying that we kind of keep up with more of the mainstream stuff and there's an expectation with that mainstream stuff like really popular titles that like now that those ones are fitting out of the norm a little bit, it's kind of giving us something to adjust to in terms of like genre. Yeah, because as much as like Shonen and Isekai as genres still exist, Shonen is no longer just straight up like we're going to fight for the entirety of a 20 minute episode. There's more to it. And I would argue shows like Attack on Titan kind of like led that charge and we saw, okay, you can have all of it in one and now all of these other shows are starting to really, again, just follow up on that uh, yeah, idea. The, co- the comedy nature of One Punch Man, the spy thriller of Spy Family. Um, it's it's interesting. The Like you mentioned, the horror aspect of Attack on Titan I did have another point. I was hoping those examples would draw it back, but that did not happen. I could tell you were circling it. Well, I'll go to my point that I did say that I wanted to bring up, and this is less about Chainsaw Man and more about Crunchyroll, unless this is some mistake, is doing hands down my favorite thing. And if the streaming gods are listening, start doing this. When I go to watch the Chainsaw Man episode on Crunchyroll every Tuesday, 
the title is blank. Every single Tuesday, there's no title, so I can mm. click into the episode and I have nothing. There is nothing to give it away. There is no knowledge about what could be happening. And even the title of this episode, which is Rescue, doesn't give anything away. But there's some of these shows that have gone back for so long when you get to, you know, hundreds of episodes like Black Clover I'm watching. The title literally tells you, like, oh, the title of this episode is Black Bull versus the crimson lion you're like well i know who those two characters are i guess they're gonna meet up and fight this episode like it kind of takes the mystery out of it in the same way that episode of spy family a while back that was yours kitchen uh i knew that we weren't gonna get like a your thriller i was like oh it's gonna be your in the kitchen the whole episode and i'm fine with it but having that mystery is so awesome and just like start doing this on the first day that an episode premieres on any network just don't put the title and let it appear later that would be so so nice i think i've gotten really good at just hitting play as fast as possible like my eyes never drift towards an episode title um to the same point where i can't, i think it was some mcu show where it's kind of like there was spoilers in the name and I had no idea that was even the titles. I think it was Mandalorian, actually. Like, even though it pops up on the screen, like, for some reason, like, my brain just shuts down to it. Or it doesn't pay attention to it. But yeah. I do 100% agree with that sentiment that we do not need episode titles. We just need episode numbers. Um, sure, as a post-reference, maybe, you're scrolling through, it's like, yeah, that's the episode I want to watch. I mean, you don't rewatch stuff, so you can't relate to that. Um, <laughs> I'm calling all the shots today. Um... But yeah, I do agree that it just needs to hide that stuff and I still need to pull the trigger on Crunchyroll. But I also <laughs> need to get Hulu TV because football. Uh, I need to watch Blue Lock. Blue Lock is on my list. I just haven't had time to do that in because we've been doing not only anime, but also all of the Star Wars stuff. Speaking of Star Wars stuff... That is it for our Anna Minutes. If there's anything that you guys want to talk about or want us to talk about, please write in, DM us, hit us up on all the social medias. We love to talk to you guys. And if there's any shows that we are missing out on, then we need to know. But moving on to more English speaking, unless there's freaky aliens involved. Oh, what's this? Huh. I am getting a hologram transmission. And you can't tell me that I'm lying to you because this is an audio format podcast. What? Let's see what this is. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Jay Scotty here. Uh, sorry, I can't make it on the podcast episode today, but I did want to provide some quick thoughts on Tales of the Jedi. So uh, just a quick disclaimer, I am approaching this series not having seen the majority of the Clone Wars. I'd seen, oh. you know, the episodes that kind of led right into the Bad Batch and then just a handful of episodes outside of that. So... That being the case, uh, I didn't have the full context of some of these characters, but I really did enjoy the series. Um, Ahsoka is a character that I'm not as familiar with. I mean, obviously, she's made her way into the public limelight with a lot of her appearances, so I know enough about her, but it was great to have her story fleshed out a little bit more and uh, see some of her adventures. Uh, that being the case, I do think the episodes with Dooku just resonated a little bit more with me with their connection to the films and just actually getting to see you know, Dooku, how he reacted to Qui-Gon's death, seeing those first seeds of doubt uh, with the Jedi being planted and some of his misgivings with their, you know, their dogma and their, 
loyalty to a fault to the Senate and the hierarchy and whatnot. But um, the animation was all really, really well done. Uh, the episode with Yaddle versus Dooku really, really stuck out to me as my favorite. Um, just getting to see Dooku fully embrace the dark side, get that context that, in fact, he was the one that deleted Kamino from the Jedi library under the guise of Sifo DS. And uh, yeah, yeah, just all in all, really, really well done. Um, if I did have any critiques about the series, I guess uh, just some of the voice acting, uh, the young Qui-Gon comes to mind. It was great to have Liam Neeson come back and reprise the role, but I didn't think the younger uh, version of him matched up quite as well. Uh, but that, you know, that's a, just a nitpicking there. Um, also with Anakin, I know Matt Lanter, I believe the actor's name is, he's voiced him throughout the the Clone Wars, but I'm, I'm not as exposed to him and... Again, maybe it's just not having the familiarity with his relationship with Ahsoka, but it, he didn't really feel like Anakin to me with being in that mentor uh, mentor role. So, um, you know, maybe that's just limited to my limited exposure. But other than that, I uh, really enjoyed the series. I will say if we get a second season, my hope would be as fun as it was to spend time with well-known characters like this and get more of their backstory. My hope would be that we would spend, with a, with a title called Tales of the Jedi, I would hope we would spend more time with lesser-known Jedi, some of those background characters like Kit Fisto, Plo Koon come to mind. Um, I mentioned on a previous cast, like getting the story of Quinlan Voss on screen would be would be excellent. So that's kind of where I'm coming at it uh, from, but uh, I don't want to steal too much thunder from Zuhair and <laughs> Andrew. So, uh, yeah, thanks for letting me chime in real quickly, and may the Force be with you, and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Any quick thoughts before we move on to our next hologram? I think he just needs to watch all of the Clone Wars is really all that I want to say because yeah, it's like, an easy task. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> only what six seasons. I've only seen it like four times. It's fine. <laughs> you rewatch something? Oh, I've I've watched that so many times through. Now he brings up a lot of good oh. points, and I know it's the kind of stuff that we're just going to get into because a lot of what he said is valid and I can very much understand what he's talking about from a perspective of a not clone wars watcher. So don't worry, uh, listeners, we have both watched clone wars and we'll kind of give that other side of the perspective as well. Um, but it appears your hologram device is, is blinking over there. Do, do we have something else coming in? We do. It's on hold for a moment because with the stuff that he said about wanting a second season, I kind of want to see Sifo Diaz now and see what that, collaboration with the Kaminoans was like and how he died and I think that'd be a cool story but we have many more sentiments and that blinking light is on the perspective of somebody who absolutely loves Ahsoka so let the gaps be filled in Hey guys, it's Haley Hobbs from the Source Pages podcast. I really wish I could have joined you to talk about Tales of the Jedi, but alas, there is no rest for the wicked. So here's just a voice memo to let you know what I think. And wow, we wowie wow. I love Dave Filoni and the way he tells story and the way he fills in the gaps of Star Wars for us. Um, he just does it better than anybody else. The first one, Baby Ahsoka, you're like, this is cute, great, yay, you know, her origin story with the Force. And then from there, it just catapults us into Dooku's story, feeling, 
you know, bad for him feeling on his side. And uh, then the big freaking reveal of him being the one that deleted the archive information about Camino and Sifo Diaz and uh, just him killing Master Yaddle. And then it shifts us right in the fields to Ahsoka as a Padawan you know, throwing us back into the end of the Clone Wars where she and Rex have to take on all of their their colleagues and, like, just just crazy. Her being at Padme's funeral, like, that blew my mind. So, so amazing. I hope we get more and more and more content like this. Just all of the gap filling in. I'm here for it. Thank you, Dave Filoni. All right, so the common message out of both of those, and I'm sure the sentiment that we share is we need more of this. Yeah, I I hesitate to call this, like, anything other than filler, but in the good way. Like, it just gave me stuff that I didn't know that I needed the information about. Like, it's just so gripping to tell these stories that, like just make the universe more connected. It's like we said, it's been going on for 40-some-odd years and there's so much that can still be told, and I absolutely love that we're just getting it piece by little piece by little piece. It does suck for the people who you know might not have all of those pieces, but I would argue this still can stand alone as long as you at least know who Ahsoka and Dooku are. So then giving us more of these stories where it is Sifo Diaz or it is Quinlan Voss, like as long as you know their name, you're still going to be gripped by these stories because Filoni and the entire Clone Wars team are just great writers and animators to bring you in. All right, so I want to stick on this conversation of fillers real quick because one of the things that I've talked about with people who are willing to listen in regards to Star Wars is that because Disney now has the capability of putting out more content on a regular basis, they're hitting smaller stories. Not mm-hmm. smaller in regards to impact, but smaller in regards to how it affects people and how it f- affects the galaxy as a whole. I absolutely love Mandalorian. I enjoyed Book of Boba. I'm kind of enjoying Andor, but like it's not blowing my mind. And that's okay. Because if we're going to I would rather get these smaller stories that are enjoyable that I can watch at my pace and maybe forget about the month after and maybe it just sticks with me for a while. But I would rather have that than what they did with the sequel trilogy where it's just everything is big and i have to wait two years for it and everyone's got to be involved it's got to be this huge thing and in hindsight i really didn't care about much of it at all so with this expectation of everything needing to be so big people aren't appreciating these smaller stories that we're getting in the form of bad batch and andor and mandalorian and boba fett and all that stuff and i think it's like it's okay to have the smaller stuff, but people need to... I, I've preached this so much about like needing to understand gray area. Like, let these shows be enjoyable or just not your thing. That's okay. It doesn't have to be mind-blowing or dog shit. There are options in the middle. And for me, Tales of the Jedi was incredible. I definitely need more of it. My only gripe with it is that the episodes weren't long enough. <laughs> But if you're giving me more, that's perfectly fine. So, like, if we have to put it on the scale of, like, the original 
trilogy being incredible and Rogue One being the best Star Wars movie ever, you can fight me on that. And then coming down to like Mandalorian being really good, Boba Fett and Andor being mildly enjoyable. And honestly, nothing's really dog shit when it comes to Star Wars in my book personally, but it's okay to have these tears. And I don't know how else to get people to understand that, which is why I talk to a podcast more than I talk to people these days about the media I enjoy consuming. <laughs> that is a very fair fact because I've had a lot of conversations about She-Hulk and you can imagine that's a very similar... Same with MCU! Yeah, no, very Not similar. Not everything has game. to be Infinity War, which is better than Endgame. It doesn't have to be. It's okay for some movies to be mediocre and some shows to be better than movies. You don't have to love Miss Marvel as much as I do, but you can appreciate how that smaller story affects things. And I don't have to love Captain Marvel as you do, but I appreciate the story that was put in there, the development of the character. And I don't know why I went to both the Marvels in that scenario, but it's okay to have middle grounds people. (laughs) Yeah. And it's exactly that. Like some things are going to be for some people. I would argue that this is a plug-in to Star Wars The Clone Wars, which is my favorite Star Wars thing, period. Just like the entire Clone Wars TV show, I think is the most beautifully well-done thing. So you were going to be hard-pressed the minute you said this was going to tack onto that story to get me to not enjoy it. But I Mm -hmm. know that there are going to be plenty of people who don't even pay attention to the Clone Wars, and this isn't going to be for them. And I'm not going to take that away from them. I'm not going to say oh, you need to watch this, but I'm also not going to let them tell me, oh, it's garbage because it's some animated show about side characters. Like, no, that's not it at all. Like, there's just so much going on. And like Haley mentioned in hers and like Chase Scotty mentioned in his, like there was just a lot of emotion. There was a lot of character building and there's just so much that they put into these, even though they were 12 to 16 minutes. Like I cannot fathom how great and how emotionally gripping uh two of these episodes in particular were just some of the best things that star wars has done in a while in my opinion because they just had me in the emotions so quickly and so viscerally yeah it it really was well done we were talking about when we were doing the bad batch stuff was that When Clone Wars came out, it was on Cartoon Network. It had a smaller budget. The first season or so was a little more childish, but the stories ended up evolving. And we talked about how Disney now has this ability to make these the visualizations like as stunning and lifelike as possible while still honoring the original artwork that they did. It's this is perfect little hybrid. And it looks amazing. Anytime there's a scene in the woods with trees and shadows and light beaming through, it's just, oh, I just yes. want to pause and screenshot and set it as my computer wallpaper or something. Especially like within the, the Jungle Book, I mean, Ahsoka's baby episode. <laughs> um, There's a line here, you know, it's from Wikipedia, but it, this is a very interesting line in consideration to what we were talking about in the opening. Comparing the series to The Clone Wars, Filoni noted that Tales of the Jedi was slower-paced and a series of tone poems with less dialogue and more visual storytelling. This was inspired by the works of Hayao Miyazaki as well as Filoni's mentor, creator George Lucas. 
We were talking about how this is basically an anime. It's influenced by anime itself. Yeah, and I love the word poems as a description. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have put it into a better word. I was searching for it. Like, if the movies are novels, this is a poem. It's not going to be anything spectacular, but a poem can still bring you to tears and evoke emotions. And that's exactly what these did. But yeah, no, the first episode, hands down, I think was the most beautiful of all six of them. Yes. The oh like God. it was like a map painting. It felt like it was the old school backgrounds that they would do in movies on a grand scale. Like it was so perfectly beautiful mm-hmm. across the board. And I love that we opened with that reminder of, hey, we have some of the best animation that you've seen out yeah. of a computer engine on our show welcome to another six episodes like it just got me back in the moment in the feels and then just like the fact that they have all of this reference that they're continuing to slowly update like the way ahsoka looked compared to clone wars you -hmm. could see the way that her uh face was moving and emoting underneath the i believe their tattoos or even just birthmarks that she has all on her face like there was just so much more detail to those than there was in the original show and you had all of that mixed with some planets that we saw previously um the planet that dooku went to to investigate in the third episode was the same planet that the bad batch freed everyone or freed the senator from in like the middle of the series Mm. so it's just that continuous like hey we're coming back and we're just gonna make it look as good if not better to the point that you're just sucked into again this connected world where if you didn't know that was from bad batch it doesn't matter but because you do you're like wait this forest feels familiar i feel like i know this did i ever tell you my introduction to clone wars no i'm i'm very curious it was so my friend had been telling me to watch it for months and months and months because i was enjoying mandalorian so much he's like gotta watch clone wars it's so good yada yada and at that after credit scene, when he slices out of the TIE fighter with the Darksaber, that's when <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? And the way that this man yelled at me, oh my god. I told you for so many months now to watch Clone Wars. That's where you get to see more of the Darksabers and freaking Mandalorians. Go watch it right now. And that was when we got a release date of, like, when the last season was coming out. So I made it a goal to, like, binge all of it in, like, a month and a half. So that I think I had, like, a week to spare where it's, like, right where it ended. It was, like, another week until I had to uh, watch uh, the last season every week. And that's kind of what it comes down to, to where it's, like, when you see something like the Darksaber, it's exciting. And you want to know what it is. But if you know, you already know. But if not, they explain it well enough in Mandalorian Season 2. They explain Ahsoka and uh, Nightwatch and all that stuff well enough in these properties that you don't have to go back to enjoy this stuff. It's just really, really great writing. And back to the anime stuff, I totally forgot that. I always forget that Dave Filoni did Avatar, which is still a beloved series that was also in an anime format. Like, that was, like, the first big series that he worked on. So, like, he gets storytelling, he gets continuity, he gets putting all this stuff together. And for all the people who don't watch anime, like, 
this what you guys are loving from the Star Wars stuff now, all the felony related projects, is what we love about anime. Just a big story and the continuity and nothing has to make sense because nothing is from this world. And I just got to go back to how stunning everything looks like this man's got a budget now. Nothing's 2D anymore. Everything has depth. Everything has glimmer. Everything has contrast. And it's it's the, the, the fact that they call it short poems. Like, yes, it is poetic. It's so beautiful for your eyes, for your ears. I'm sure if there was some 4D setting for this, all of it would feel amazing. But I, I love this animated stuff so much. It's so, so underrated. And it's not like anybody who doesn't watch animated stuff is listening to this podcast for me to beg them to give it a chance. <laughs> but I'm and glad you, that you guys you. are here to appreciate it with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's the fact that they somehow make it feel like it's real metal while also it was painted with a brush. Like, just, I want to touch it. I want to do it. But it's just... Uh, amazing across the board and yeah i i feel like uh i need to get into the plot now and that's because there's so much else that i have to say but we can't do this in episode order because they Let's did start it off in just weird... talking about ahsoka because all these we have six episodes three of them are ahsoka three of them are dooku um they are in different parts of the prequel trilogy some before some during some after so let's kick it off with talking about ahsoka yeah i i was honestly hesitant at that first episode with ahsoka Mm -hmm. i didn't really need prequel information i guess i wanted to know more of what happened to the ahsoka that we grew up or i grew up with at least in Clone Wars and what happened to her after the fact and what happened after Order 66. So much of that information, but it was still really good out the gate because they kind of let us know, hey, she came from a powerful people. It makes sense the way that she is a headstrong woman, seeing that her mother took her hunting as a baby while the father was home doing things like it very easily develops this character. But then I can't pick my favorite episode, but it either is episode four with Dooku or five with Ahsoka, because that fifth episode was so, so good. Like, I nearly lost it when my mind finally figured out where it was going, because Mm -hmm. we have given Filoni the praise and he deserves it, because that whole time I was just like, this is an interesting training arc something's going on here but when the pieces all fell into place and you heard the alarm klaxon and you watched her and rex walk out of the shadows in the last couple seconds of the episode it just suddenly hit home where it was all going and how amazing it was to see that it she had grown this way because of her master because of her friends because of her companions it was just uh, it, it it was so so raw and visceral and i just can't put my finger on how great it was and like the other bookend i'm also a little indifferent on but that middle episode that middle episode is one of the best things ever i simultaneously knew what was happening and was thrown off when it happened in episode five because when they were going through that training it was like oh man, like that really helped her when she actually had to fight clones. And when that scene happened of her and Rex walking out and that, I was like, oh no, 
I was thinking about it. I wasn't expecting you to show me the comparison of why we're having this episode. I thought it was a cool training montage. And like, Anakin has premonitions. It's one of the things that scared the Jedi Council. It makes you wonder, like, how much of this was actually in his subconscious, not just as a, you know, stubborn knight that is really good in battle and stuff like that. But there had to be something like a dream that he forgot about or something that because he had that love for his Padawan instilled that level of protectiveness because he somehow knew because of his actions that was going to happen. Yeah. And him bringing that up and doing all of this, you could also see the very ways that it happened were perfect visual and emotional storytelling. And I kind of want to get Jay Scotty's take on this, having not seen the clone wars that the minute I saw their outfits in each one of those moments, I knew that time had progressed. They told it in a perfect way. And to see that Anakin was very gruff at the start of that episode and slowly got warmer as time went on, you got that feeling of, hang on, things are getting better. He's learning how to be a mentor and a teacher. He's hitting those emotional notes as well as, you know, she's growing. She gets the second lightsaber over time. Her outfit changes. Her hair gets longer. Like, there's just so much that they put into how the story was told beyond just saying it. That is just, again, it keeps going. And then to top off the comment about, uh, you know, hair being the way that you could tell time. I love that. We also got to see Obi-Wan with the Jedi mullet one last time (laughs) at the start of the episode. I took very heavy note. I was like, that's a, that's the (laughs) mullet. This is like right after uh, attack of the clones happened. (laughs) Ahsoka has very distinct outfits, too. So seeing the progression of that kind of helped with the time frame a little bit because she went with like little like two piece to actually having like that no sleeve outfit to afterwards having more of the blue one. Um, So that was a good indication of like time, too. But oh, my God, I just thought of this when they were going through the the session when Anakin was watching and he was like, this isn't a test. This is pathetic. We saw Kanan. And his master, sitting in the bleachers across. Wait. Yeah. I was not even... Kanan was doing his testing right after Ahsoka. Oh, He was my. watching the whole time with his master. And it was one of those things, it's like... Us watching Bad Batch and... Have you seen Rebels? I have seen 98% of Rebels. Okay, so us seeing... Bad Batch and seeing Rebels, we know Kanan, we know his story. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you haven't watched that and you're watching Tales, you're not missing anything from the episode. You're kind of missing something from Clone Wars because you don't get the end of Ahsoka, but I guess it tells enough. Anyways, you're not missing anything. But for me to, I missed Kanan in the Bad Batch. It didn't click to me right away the first time I watched it that it was him in the first episode. But this time I saw him and I was like, oh no, ah, my heart. It was almost like the start of Obi-Wan where it's like you got the scene of the, the temple being raided. Uh, I, I wasn't ready for that. But to, Filoni, you freaking god of a human being. Those those little details, the, the little micro moments in such a big story across so many planets. The placement of that stuff is so freaking well done. I think the big reason that I must have missed him is because I am just wondering what is up with the Goatman character. Because 
the the one like old guy that Ahsoka goes on like the one episode trip with in Clone Wars, and then like he was there, like he was the one pounding his staff. Oh. So he's in that episode. He's in one of the episodes with Dooku, and he was also like a cameo appearance in uh, Obi Wan. He was one of the like tombed Jedi that we got to see when all of that happened in the Inquisitor's place. Like, I was just like, why does this guy continue to come back? He was a one-off character in like a single episode of the Clone Wars. I was just, I think that was the reason I was so like not focusing on anyone else. But was Plo Koon there? Yeah, it was Plo Koon, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka together. I think that is also my one not gripe, because again, this was all fantastic, just give me a scene with Plo and Ahsoka, though, because that is still the one relationship that has not been explored enough, in my opinion. They teased how great it is, and the fact that he's the one that brought her into the Jedi Order, like, give us that little bit more of them being companions. Give us the conspiracy theory that he is alive. Like, just, you know, feed it back in. More tales, Bring him more back. tales, more tales. Honestly, he's pretty high on my list of Give Us a Tales of the Jedi uh, couple episode arc just about him and his journeys as well. There was a game. It was Phantom Menace for the PlayStation 1. And you could pick... It was a two-player co-op game. And you could pick Jedi that's like we hadn't even seen much in the movies. So you had Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, uh, Kaido Moody, Plo Koon, and Mace Windu. And in that game, Plo Koon had an orange lightsaber. And I can't remember exactly Whoa. what his like his like single technique was, but I absolutely loved it. So whenever me and my cousin would play, like he would be Mace and I would be Plo Koon. And we would just spend hours playing that. So it's like I had this love of Plo Koon before I ever saw him in any actual content. So when I saw him show up in this, then I was like, I love this character even more. now. like the fact that he's so mellow. And one of the first times we see him is when they're stranded and running out of oxygen and the droids are blowing up like the extra bits of escape pods. And he's just the one like, be calm, the forces with us, something's going to come up, we're going to get help. And just like the meditation and think before you act type of the, the mentality that he had was just like, I already had this love for how much of a badass you were in a video game. Now your personality, the, the Uncle Iroh type of personality is what I'm being drawn towards. So yes, I 100% agree that we need more. I feel like with Anakin's roughness and Plo Koon's calmness, like that's where Ahsoka gets her sense of just being able to think through because she had that balance of two great masters who were good at those two respective things. That's... I did not expect to go into a Plo Koon rant today. No, it's great. I love it because it's very true, very insightful and like a big possibility. And I'm just going to throw out there. Kit Fisto is my other one um, from the Lego Star Wars games. For some reason, I just mm. always wanted to be Kit Fisto with the big booming green hair all the time in the background. So that's just another like he got his good service in the Clone Wars TV show. But like more is always welcome. So we have one more episode to talk about with Ahsoka and the fact that she was at the funeral was just so beautifully done. Um, her going to the other planet and kind of showing the farm life. The the middle episodes of the final season of Clone Wars, I did not care for at all. I thought it was a waste of time. I did not care about the, the sisters or that story by any means. 
And this kind of gave me like inklings of that, which bothered me a little bit because it was kind of a story we've seen a bunch of times before. It's like Jedi in hiding. Somebody gets hurt. Oh, my God. How to use the force. There was a whole video game about it. That's literally how he got in trouble. Um, but the way that it wrapped up. So first part of it was great. Seeing the sixth brother, he looks awesome. Like, they kind of gave him the Darth Maul treatment where it was like, build up, build up, build up, quick death. And again, this is supposed to be a poem, so like everything of it looked beautiful, like within the fire and everything. Oh my god, it was so good. Uh, But, yeah, dude. um, Him being able to talk to, or her being able to talk to Organa, excuse me, and have that relationship, like she wants to get involved, but she doesn't want to get involved. We saw a bunch of it in Obi-Wan where it's like, the Inquisitors use the Jedi's need to help people to draw them out. All this stuff we this is all we're talking about is all the stuff from different content that we're able to pick of and know that it's established. But for the people who are watching this stuff that have maybe only seen the movies, just get to enjoy it on its own. Like it, it's almost like I can't even think of a good analogy of this. It's, you just get that little bonus of. I'm seeing more of this than somebody else does, but that it's still very clearly beautiful for the people who don't have that same reference. Yeah. So the only thing I'm going to jump in with is I totally agree. Like it felt overdone in the exact way that, like you said, we had a video game like this. It felt like the first episodes of Obi-Wan, like, okay, she's in hiding. She's going to have to save someone. Yada, yada, yada. Like, I I wanted more out of that part, but the beginning and end were emotionally waiting enough that I was still so intrigued by the end of it of like, okay, Mm -hmm. now this explains how she's, you know, getting back into the fold as well as like that reminder that other people cared about Padme. Other people were affected by what happened. It wasn't just that Obi-Wan saw her die like Bale was there at the funeral. The entirety of the people of Naboo had to like go through this along with Ahsoka wanting to get her moment because she probably found out via the grapevine. Like she didn't talk to Obi-Wan again and be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. whatever happened? Like she probably heard and then just went there without even thinking about it. And Rex probably had to try and talk her out of it, but then didn't like, there's just so many layers to, what had to have gotten to that point and to think that she did have a funeral was a whole other gut punch of like wow this was real like there's so many talks about what happens in episode three and how she dies from the big sad but like actually seeing it again just puts it into a perspective of like i don't care how the acting and the script felt in that movie she still died, and that's still a big deal for everything else that happens in Star Wars as a whole. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, I don't think that's Sixth Brother as the Inquisitor. And I mean, I'm looking at the write-up, and it says Sixth Brother. Well, there's some write-ups, but there's also several articles that say like there's other canon materials about the Sixth Brother like later on. So I mean, maybe there's just a new sixth brother because this one clearly died. I it could so yeah, they could both be named sixth brother, but there is also a sixth brother that wears a different style of mask, like in the mm-hmm. in the books. That's why I'm like, I don't know if this is sixth brother. Regardless, 
Yeah, the I village hate... is massacred by an Inquisitor, the Sixth Brother. Ahsoka kills the Inquisitor and joins the Rebellion. This episode is this episode loosely adapts the events of the 2016 novel Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. I suppose... It's going to be pedantic because neither of us actually has enough knowledge because neither of us have read the books, if anyone out there Wikipedia has. Wikipedia doesn't lie. Exactly. Wikipedia doesn't <laughs> lie. I think that's my one thing. I want more of that story. Like, she didn't react when he knew her name. Like, why was this one of the Jedi that turned to be an Inquisitor like we saw in Obi-Wan? Like, give me... Don't just throw that nugget at me and tell me we're never going to find out what happened for a moment. I thought it was going to be Plo Koon turned and was an Inquisitor, and I was about to lose my mind. But you don't like, think that the Inquisitors got profiles on the Jedi that were supposedly alive? But, I don't know, there's a lot of Jedi... It's that it's a weird gap because the way the third movie ended when Lucas was still in control was, oh, there are two Jedi left and it's Obi-Wan and Yoda and that's it. And because another big plot hole was the fact that um, why would anybody know that Anakin is Vader? Yet oh, yeah, somehow was... this Inquisitor knows when she was telling Obi-Wan Anakin's alive, Anakin's alive. Yeah, it's... there's some classified information that obviously these Inquisitors get. Yeah, I'm I don't know. It's that I would like to think that they wouldn't because of the idea that Ahsoka should have died at a whole battalion of clones on a ship like. I don't know. It, it's it's a lot of imbalance in the storytelling, and I'm willing to put it aside just for the purpose of the they wrote it as though it was a tease of this person knows her. I think that was why I'm thinking like there has to be something more here. Why did they write this in this way? It's a little bit of metagaming the system that like, I know how stories work. You do this for this purpose. And that's kind of how you get into the expectation trap of things. But that's my only like, just give me more. Like you teased it. I want to know why I'm not complaining that they teased it. I just, I just, <laughs> I personally think it is as simple as Inquisitors had to do their homework on high profile Jedi and who would be a risk of like possibly being alive. That's just me. It's the fact that he didn't recognize her until she used the force, though. Like, I feel like if you knew who all of like, if you did your because homework. the way that Clone Wars ended too, the way Vader was looking at was it Ahsoka's lightsabers that she left behind? I think so. I know it was the helmets, but I think her lightsaber was also there. I think it was a lightsaber, too. Like. Vader just kind of knows. Hmm. I believe it was her lightsaber because that's why I think she didn't fight with a lightsaber until she yeah, like took she doesn't the have any right She doesn't now. have any. She completely left it behind. Yeah. My statement's making more and more sense. All right. The last thing that I want to say about the first episode. And then we're going to move on to Dooku's because we're getting very close to the hour mark. And there's a lot to talk about with Dooku. Um, <laughs> God, I love Star Wars talk. Good Star Wars talk. So one of my favorite things about the Ahsoka stuff was that. Clone Wars and Rebels put a lot of emphasis on how people outside of the Jedi Council, how they perceive the Force. They don't necessarily call it the Force, but there is this entity there's a spiritual being and the way that they manifest it and the way that they interact with it 
you know, like the the witches from Darth Maul's planet, they think of it as magic. You have the Bendu from Rebels who doesn't think about light and dark. There's just merely the force and it's a way to interact with beings all across the galaxy. And then you have a small village like this where there is an understanding like the elders understanding of the people and of the environment and of uh, the animals. So I think that was in regards to how the force is perceived. I think that was a beautiful example of reminding us that it's not just Jedi's and Sith and light side and dark side. Like the force is just this, this entity and there's other ways of using it and manifesting it that don't involve this war between good and bad. Oh yeah. I love as much as again, we can get into the weird force powers that they end up coming up with later that, you know, we never saw before. I love the fact that there are other force powers. The fact that you Mm -hmm. can like reach out and commune with nature, that you can almost communicate with an animal on some lever level. Why do I keep calling Ezra Miller? I was, I, where does the Miller keep coming from? Just stop. Oh, that's the Flash. That's the um, guy who plays the Flash, or the person that plays the Flash. Apologies for me. that. <laughs> that was... His name's Ezra, though, right? I get Ezra Bridger, yes. Ezra Bridger, thank you. <laughs> I just stopped dead in my tracks. Like, who are you talking about? Ezra Bridger, excuse me, everyone. But yeah, there's just these continuous new ways that, like, the Force doesn't have to just be this power. It is something that has just effects on the environment on your world as a whole like there definitely is more force sensitive people out there than the jedi or the sith even know about that are just living their lives doing whatever you have the kid from the sequels that you used it to pick up a broom like it 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 just exists and i love that constant reminder of it doesn't have to be used all the time to be the most powerful thing that it's just always with us Mm -hmm. we're gonna move on to dooku from star wars jungle book now and you can't tell me that that first episode was not jungle book oh my god was i not ready for how much qui-gon jinn was the anchor for dooku totally going dark side oh my gosh yes like uh, poem Yes. absolute po i can't get over the line that they're calling this poetry because it's just i understand how beautiful it is but reading that line from wikipedia just amped up the love and appreciation for this artistic nature so much and i am awful at reading books it's taken me two years to get halfway through the 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 old republic book that i'm reading um And I've been dying to read the Dooku one. Maybe in six years I'll finish this one and start Dooku. But the fact that we're getting them as Tales episode. Oh man, those three episodes were freaking incredible. Yeah, and it's the constant reminder that it's a hairline edge between the light side and the dark side. Like, was he ever really gone from one side or the other it was always a question of gray a question of perspective in each and every one of these episodes and these three episodes really put into focus what i love the most about 
the Clone Wars series in general, that they were not just focused on the Jedi on Coruscant. They went mm-hmm. to these small worlds, they told these small stories, reminded us that, hey, it centers around the Senate. And like that's our crux of the story. But it allows us to tell amazing stories. And I want a Senate-focused TV show. Like, that's my one wish, is to just let us talk about how these worlds are actually negotiating and what the Trade Federation did when they screwed everything up. Like, how this actually affected the overarching world. It's just, there's so much meat there. But then again, to see it through Dooku's eyes, to see from the beginning he always had those questions, whether it was the council, whether it was the Senate, that he was always seeing it. And it really hammers home. Was Dooku wrong? Were the separatists really wrong? Like, obviously, there was the big bad in the background that was, you know, the emperor. But the separatists were just leaving the Senate because they believed. Yeah, the puppets. But like, the separatists left because they be- they believed that the Senate was corrupt and they were not helping enough people. And again, the Clone Wars gets into this so well because there are some of them that are like, separatists aren't bad. We're just leaving because we don't agree with what you're doing. And it, it shows that Dooku was always just one tiny step away from being like, but what if we did just get rid of the bad dictator? What if we did just, you know not follow these rules to a T. And then it also perfectly sets up, hey, Qui-Gon was a rebel in the entirety of Phantom Menace, just being like, you know what, Council? You guys can F off. I'm going to do my own thing on Naboo and go save some people. Like, it then just further develops how he came to be as a character. And I can't say I like this Dooku more than Clone Wars Dooku, because Clone Wars Dooku is amazing and is the reason i love dooku so much but it's, it's just the same dooku. It, it is the same dooku it's but different it's, chapters of his life it's different i have chapters. another excerpt for you please I, I, I really just need to read this whole thing now that oh, was really not that long quote feloni warned that these aren't just fun happy stories it gets rough at times he particularly felt that dooku's life was surprisingly tra- tragic and attributed some of the series' darker episodes to them being written during the COVID-19 pandemic. An aspect of Dooku that Filoni wanted to explore was the relationship with his Padawan learner Qui-Gon Jinn, who Filoni described as one of the best and in some ways most interesting Jedi because of his philosophy, which is different from the Jedi Council. And where did he learn that if not from his mentor, Count Dooku? Yeah, it's just... It's so perfect. I, I I just love this analogy of him being the anchor that kept him from being the, going to the dark side. Because you saw how he wanted to kill the senator. I was for it. Um, but obviously that wasn't the right thing to do. But Qui-Gon being that anchor was like the son's... Like he's here for the son. The son's the only thing that's going to convince him. Let him shame him other than like us shaming him. Because we don't fit on this high pedestal that apparently he only responds to. To find out how much Qui-Gon's death meant to him. Him having to see Windu surpass him to be on the council because of his actions. Like, that line of him in front of the tree when it started to rain in Master... Is it Yaddle? Yaddle. Yaddle? Okay. When Master Yaddle was trying to, like, calm him down and just knew that something was up, like... Poetry. Back to that word. 
poetry. That was when you felt the anchor snap off. Qui-Gon was the only thing holding him down. Qui-Gon just... It, it goes back to what I was talking about with the first Ahsoka episode and understanding the Force works in different ways. I think Qui-Gon wanted to be this nomad. He wanted to take the route that Ahsoka ended up taking. Where there is no good or bad, there's just understanding of this entity that is everywhere. There's a beauty in that. It's something that's meant to be preserved and explored. But And I understand that's essentially what the Jedi was going towards, but... We even had this conversation with Windu and with Dooku of what have the Jedi become if not tools of the Senate. And it bothered me so much when Dooku was talking to Yaddle and Palpatine about how the Senate is corrupt and they're using them in the wrong way and how they're not their own entity anymore. It genuinely had me wondering if he knew Darth Sidious was Palpatine before he became a Sith. Well, because that, if you're going to blame the Senate of everything, literally the cause of it is standing right in front of you. Kill him, well, not Master Yaddle. <laughs> at that point in the story, in the timeline, I suppose he was still only the senator from Naboo. He wasn't the yeah, that's right. chancellor yet, which but also, that's still a piece of the corruption. <laughs> yeah, well, because a whole like weird crux and point of conversation about Naboo is the fact they have a queen and a senator so how could they get anything done the queen is trying to do things for the people the senators are all trying to do whatever for themselves and it's just the continuous conversation about the ivory tower and like how you can't put someone in control like the raw line from the woman in the bar in the first Dooku episode when Qui-Gon was like why don't you elect another senator and she just looked at him like foolish child. It's not yeah. that easy. And everyone was on board with what was happening in that moment. It definitely you could see it dawn on Qui-Gon as for how deep it all went and how something was going to have to change at some point. So, yeah, it's just it's so good stitching together. And I love the way Filoni has been able to slowly peel back so many of these things that were. I'm going to say poorly written the first time, and I, I apologize for that comment, but allow me to explain. Do you uh, Well, there were articles and books that, like, got out of the canon that he's now been able to, like, kind of redo. And, like, one of the big things that I remember was, a, it, like, a word-for-word -word quote almost, that Yoda was concerned about Dooku's curved lightsaber because curved only meant he was going to duel other people and who would you need to fight if you weren't bad? Like, it just makes Dooku this mustache twirly, like, oh, he was bad from the start, that's why his lightsaber's curved, that's why it's unique. And this does not have any moment of that. This has, hey, he just understood that things weren't going right and made the decisions that he did that led to the air quotes dark side. I'm still kind of on team. Was the empire right or wrong in the originals? We don't know. Like we saw it from the side of the rebels, but the empire was arguably trying to do some things like, you know, the stormtroopers. The that just, yeah. But like stormtroopers that in the last episode, who was like, we're, we love the empire and you love the empire too. Why are you thinking that as long as we obey, we'll be good. Yeah, it and there then gets are his burn. Yes, yeah, and that's the only thing that I'm saying when I talk about poor writing is there's some stuff that feels that way back felt very on the nose 
And Filoni's just taking it back apart and saying, but maybe there's more to this story that we can yeah. tell. And like Yaddle's another great example, because I remember being a kid in the library. There was this big Star Wars book and it was like the history of the prequels and i took it out from the library and yaddle the puppet from the phantom menace that this character is based on if none of you knew this puppet shows up on the council like next to yoda um Mm -hmm. and in this book it was like oh yeah it's yoda's cousin or yoda's brother like it was the idea that oh they're all the same alien we just have to throw them in there whereas instead we got this really interesting look at someone who agreed that there were issues on the council but brought in hey we're still doing good things you need to work with us like you can atone for your crimes but you can't go all the way dark like there was so much more that i didn't expect out of this character and i know some people might not agree with that but because i was just like oh this is yoda's cousin to see that we got some substance was awesome what if grogu was yaddle and yoda's kid Okay, that would be very on brand for Star Wars. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just waiting for that reveal now. <laughs> <sighs> well, no. Yes, no, I don't know. Because Yaddle's... Uh, but Yaddle died. Yeah, so had a kid that's 50 years old now. And is a student with the Padawans at the Jedi Temple. Daddy Yoda's still there. Daddy Yoda. <laughs> Words I never thought I would hear. Your father I am. Uh, yeah, I... There's not enough time... Maybe there is time in the timeline. I don't know anymore. Yoda's age weird, but... Regardless. Grogu is 50, dude. Grogu is 50. What did you think of Yaddle in all of this? To be a character that was literally just a background puppet in The Phantom Menace... I mean, how big was Plo Koon and Kid Fisto in the prequel movies alone? How big was the dude with the cane? Like, the the fact that we're able to expand on these characters and see familiarity, that's what's making this Filoni product as good as it is. Is those little moments, is those little characters, it's understanding that we have this huge ver- universe, these small moments that matter. When we get to see these characters like Kanan again, it, it gives us something because we understand what they went through. It's not something you just put in for a one-off and come back. Any any portion of that that we can see again and again and reuse again and again and ha- expand on these stories of is fantastic. Okay. so It's I... a lot of what I love about Naruto too. It's like, you have characters like Asuma and Shisui and people who have stories that we we keep hearing like they died, they died, they died. And then we get these sequences of like what they meant to this character and the bigger part of this story and how they affected that. And then like down into Boruto stuff, which is like when everybody has kids, like you have pictures of these people who died in a previous series when they were like 17. And us as the audience get to look at stuff and be like that. It's like, holy shit, like that, this is how much this person matters to this person. It influenced this person. And like, where, where are we at because of that? And like the kids from this whole other show, like don't get it. And star Wars is doing exactly what we love about anime in that sense. 
yeah, it's uh, it's all there. And I just suddenly had this dawning realization of like why this tree in the Jedi Garden looked familiar. And if I'm not mistaken, that's like where Yoda either begins or ends his quest in the Clone Wars to like learn from Qui-Gon about how you become one with the Force. And now it's just this better layer of like, what do we think Dooku was hearing when he was standing at this tree? Was he possibly, you know, feeling Qui-Gon's anguish in that moment? And that's what made him switch. Like seeing this almost random tree, but like knowing that it was somewhere in the Clone Wars before, that it's somewhere in the Jedi Temple. We've talked about how it is something that works with nature you know, possibly communing through this whole city of metal and rock, as Dooku put it, like this could be the one transition point for the energy of the universe to get into the Jedi Temple. And it's just raw and emotional. And like you said, Filoni's bringing back these little notes that literally didn't dawn on me until just now of like, wait, we have seen this tree before. Not necessary, but so you want to know where else you've seen it? So good. Where else have I seen this tree, please? Last Jedi. What is that? From the tree, the tree? No, the tree that. Well, it's they call it the Unedi tree. The name Unedi originates from the term Nedi, which was first used in a 1990s Dark Horse comic book series called Tales of the Jedi. The series explored the early days of the Jedi Order and events that take place almost 4,000 years before the Skywalker saga. The Nedi are shape-shifting species of trees with sentient intelligence. The Nedi help guide the Jedi Master Nomu Surrender as she pursues the Dark Jedi Exar Soon. Um, the history was further expanded in Last Jedi when Rey discovers the Unedi saplings at Luke Skywalker's recursive cave on the planet Octo. Okay, so I think it's the same kind of tree, not the exact... Like, it's not the tree. They didn't move but, it. But there is, like, a connection to this tree with the Force. With the, the Force and the Jedi. And the, the, um, the staff that um, the blind character from Rogue One. Oh. I... Like, literally, his picture is Danny Yen's character. Donnie Yen's character. Yeah, Donnie Yen's character. That's the reason I haven't brought him up in all of our talking about how other people use the Force, because I could not remember his character's name. Well, Force using Donnie Yen, apparently his staff is from one of these trees. Ah, uh, it's... So, which kind of, you know, like, in this picture that um, Collider has posted up, like he's pointing with the stick and for from my perspective somebody who trains stick and staff it's like keep your point at your opponents if you can't see them obviously you just need to keep your weapon out but knowing that there's like the essence of this thing feeling the force and feeling everything around and actually having this quote-unquote magical ability whoo buddy yeah it's it's just so good and I hope all of our listeners like are hearing the fact that we're looking these things up in the background. And as we're talking about them, we're learning new things. I think that's my favorite part of Star Wars is the ability to have these conversations and like know that there's such depth to anything that you may want to have. So just, you know, 
be open to these conversations to all of the listeners. Like we're not trying to sound pretentious and I hope we don't with this, like, Oh, there's more knowledge than what we're talking about. Because like, that's the cool part of star Wars is you can educate other people. Uh, we've learned a lot. I hope you are all learning a lot, but like, just always remember this is the greatest part of it is the conversation that you can have of like, Oh, did we notice this thing? That's so awesome. And I love that we've managed to connect trees. Literal trees have been connected throughout the entirety of the star Wars franchise. That's awesome. I just love Dave Filoni and the fact that he's making me look into the seven. Like we said, like this could just be a dope ass tree and we could think nothing more of it than that. But there are some people who probably saw that tree and they were like, Oh my God. I mean, there's a whole collider article about it so clearly there's some that's a bit too and of course when i typed in tree and dooku the first thing that comes up is a great deku tree and i almost clicked on it until i realized it was a zelda <laughs> wiki so i'm glad <laughs> i didn't go down that rabbit hole sorry start singing the zelda songs yeah no it's there's so many like like 17 minute episode on just two characters and this is probably one of our longer episodes talking about it Honestly, the last time that I think that I have talked this hardcore on an episode to episode basis was Star Wars Visions. Like, if you go back and listen to that, that Jay Scotty and I went this hard in on just all of the connective tissue. And it's just ah, Star Wars animation. I, I'm glad Filoni is continuing with animation as a medium that they use, as well as connecting the universe in this way. It, it's it's coming together really, really well. If I could take the newer animated content, that's including the... If I could take Disney Plus animation versus Disney Plus live action, I'd say animation's doing a better job, despite how good Mandalorian is. Oh, are we talking just Star Wars? Disney plus Star Wars. Okay, yeah. I, I thought you were making a very bold claim. I was like, no, wow, no, no. that's that's insane. Uh, no, I'm would... not putting I am Groot and um, what if against Miss Marvel and Moon Knight and WandaVision. No, <laughs> that's what I was like, dude, what a call. <laughs> no, in regards to Star Wars and Star it... Wars Disney plus animation includes Bad Batch and the last season of Clone Wars, which could be a movie of its own, and now Tales of the Jedi versus Mandalorian, Boba Fett, and Andor. I think animation's doing a better job. I think so. I think they're telling the extra gripping stories. Like, don't get me wrong, Mandalorian's good, but they're not telling, like, the same, like, I need to know. (laughs) Yeah, the first season is just, like, all filler, episode to episode. Like, what is the monster of the week? And that's fine. I thoroughly enjoy the mandalorian don't think for a moment that i don't but just uh, i wasn't i was not expecting to talk for an hour and 20 minutes about visions when i hopped on this call and here we are it was so easy to just get sucked into everything and i'm sure there's things that we have missed at this point as well wait was Visions actually an hour 20, or are you talking about this being close to I hour 20? I je- definitely just said Visions, didn't I? I okay. meant this. When I jumped into the like, Do you remember right specifically now. how long that was? No, no. It Do was... we need to twiddle our thumbs for like seven more minutes to get it above 20? <laughs> Take the cake on the longest thing on our feed. 
Now I'm wondering what it is. We got some long ones. I I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, I hope you all, uh, if you did stay through all of this, thank you. <laughs> I was also surprised that Liam Neeson was uh, Qui-Gon. I'm surprised. I read. I remember reading that Liam Neeson came back as Qui-Gon. I was surprised that he was not Qui-Gon in all of the episodes. Uh, the whole fact that he did that made it seem like he was going to play a bigger part. And I'm not complaining that at the part that he played. Oh, it's just he was only a small. Too. Oh, interesting. I wonder if he was just like in the recording booth for Obi-Wan and they were like, hey, you want to just. That's like, exactly what I think. It's like, like, hey, say while we things? have you signed and while you're here. Uh-huh. Uh, but it says series announcement in May 2022 is revealed that Liam Neeson would reprise his role as Qui-Gon Jinn while his son Mikhail? Michael Richardson Michael? would voice a younger version of the character. Oh, okay. Matt Lanter reprising his role as Anakin Star Wars. Anakin Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. I'm going to see if I can was, um Was Ian McDermott, uh credited as the emperor because it sounded a lot more like him than it did the guy that they had doing it in clone wars okay i i was very much wondering it it was it was the perfect voice he didn't say do it he just said kill her and i was like no say it like give us do the line say the thing Uh, i think when he just smiled like all the fans just kind of knew yeah that's true and honestly we have talked all of this about the characters the fight scene between uh, Dooku and Gattle was not even touched upon and was just uh, the, between that and between the Ahsoka fighting those robots at the beginning of her training is the best part of the Clone Wars and or rather Star Wars animation in general that like we don't have to worry about stunts. We don't have to worry about wire work. We can see these amazing flips and tricks and turns and like you're just sucked in immediately. Here's your comparison to Disney plus Marvel. One of the things that we revel about in the Marvel stuff is how much we love the dialogue that we don't even care about the action as much. The dialogue in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the dialogue in WandaVision, it was so powerful and so strong. And that essence is being brought over to Star Wars as well, where the conversations between these people, the political conflicts, the emotional conflicts, the philosophical conflicts. Like we care about the dialogue so much that we forgot there was action sequences. Yeah, seriously. And like, they were great, but they were just action. Like they don't give us as much to grab onto, I guess is the way that I will phrase it, especially when we're trying to do it, because I'm not about to describe a fight to all of our listeners. I'm going to let them Boy, uh, would I be lying if I did not listen to the soundtrack a couple times throughout the week, too. I, I have said it several times. Wholesale, I think Star Wars has the best soundtracks across the board. Not theme song, but just like, or not soundtrack, uh, orchestral themes. I, I can't think of words. Composition? Sure. <laughs> Either way, like they just have so much going for them in every single musical piece it's it's so good if you guys ever want something really fascinating to listen to on that topic samuel kim music star wars x parts of the caribbean star wars wait it's a crossover yes you see i have heard uh also samuel kim great artist 
I do listen to him on Spotify. I'm very upset they've taken down a bunch of the Demon Slayer things off of Spotify. Really? Uh, I couldn't find a bunch of them when I was at the gym this week because I usually uh, try and do my max lifts uh, listening to the Rengoku versus Akaza fight. Uh, fun fact, everyone. But no, he's really, really good. But the only mashup I've ever heard, which is great Star Wars mashup, if you're ever lis- looking for it, listeners, uh, Life After Death Star. Someone mixed the Life After Death album uh, from the N- Notorious B.I.G. himself with Star Wars themes. And they're so, so well put together. It's a SoundCloud album. If you're looking for something fun and random, uh, go give that a listen. I hate you that I can't find this crossover on my Apple Music now. Oh, the one that I mentioned? No, the one that I mentioned. Yeah, I think he... I'm guessing there's probably some cease and desist situations going on if it's not as easily accessible as it were. Uh, Honestly, my biggest thing is that like he's just redone a bunch of the Demon Slayer music. Maybe if you came out with the soundtrack, I wouldn't have to listen to this guy, uh, Demon Slayer. (laughs) Yeah, right? I would happily listen to the real thing, but this is the best that I've got. Um, But we're into the depths of talking about music. I feel like we should probably close this out uh, because poor Jay Scotty is also probably going to have to edit this at some point and he's not even here and I feel bad. Worth it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That is it today for the Animation Deliberation Podcast. We hit the hour 20 mark as we were aiming to. After cutting it down, I don't know if you're going to see it, but I'm sure it'll hit an hour 20 by the time I'm done with this monologue. As always, send your feedback. Send whatever you want to say. Send voice memos. Try to keep it under a minute if you can. But we love hearing from you. We love talking to you. Um, do you want to drop the social spiel? Yes, of course. You can follow us on all of our social medias. That's the best place to get updates on episode news, as well as some of the greatest memes, TikToks, and everything else that we find uh, to send to each other. You can follow us on Twitter at Animation Delib One or Facebook and Instagram, also just Animation Deliberation. Do we still have the closer stuff? That's me just explaining all of that. Like, are yeah. we just explaining it twice? Yes, but okay. I don't believe the Instagram is in there. And I feel like there's some things that are That's we should okay. really see if we need to update that or if we just need to cut it out because I'm just pulling no. it off every time. No, we did that before you existed. Uh, That's probably not true, but I was about to say, I don't. Because it was actually when Source Pages started doing that first. Well, Marvel Cinematic Universe started doing it first, and then Source Pages did it, but they came after we did. So it was like, the newer show was doing it, why are we not doing it? So I asked Haley to send me the write-up, and then I just made it the and I version. I joined the network right around the time that Source Pages was starting up. Like, that's when I started going to After Dark chats and stuff, because I remember it was like my third After Dark. They so were talking maybe you about the first source page when I made it. It might have. I think it was like right when I was starting. You guys added that in. Because I got you on source pages. <laughs> what? Yeah, because all the all the DC talk. And I was like, hey, should I ask Ganger if you want to talk about Batman stuff? That's Anyways, true. that's true. Check out source pages. Check out Star Wars Universe podcast, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Binge's Assemble, PandaVision, go to strandandpanda.com, give everybody all the stars, give everybody all the wonderful reviews. Tune in next time, that's T-O-O-N-I-N, B plus ultra, and always stay wound. <laughs>
And until we see each other again in a galaxy far, far away, muscle, muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. Some people celebrate the holidays, but you, you dominate the holidays. You deck the halls, the mantle, and anything else that will stand still. You deserve a bold cold brew that's as festive as you. Topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. A podiatrist will tell you about your feet. A physical therapist will analyze your gait. A psychologist will help you manage your anxiety. But what if your walk affects your hip alignment and the loss of movement affects your mental health? The body is connected in unseen ways. That's why our doctors work together to care for all that is you. Kaiser Permanente, for all that is you. Learn more at kp.org. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of Washington. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors... We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 